Welcome back to the Chosen Journey with Jonathan the Cohen and our trusty co-host, Big Money Grip, Mr. Steve Carsey. And uh, Steve, we have a special guest today in honor of Canadian Thanksgiving. So I'm present in Toronto, Canada. I'm up across the border. Uh, you both are in Arizona, Texas, respectively. So we do things a little differently here. You know, we do Thanksgiving a month early. We drive in kilometers. We like our weather in Celsius for whatever reason. But we're coming up to Thanksgiving as we're taping today. So there's a lot to be thankful for. There's thankful for health, for family. The MLB playoffs are well underway. And of course, good friends. And we have good friends today joining us today. Philadelphia great, Mr. Pat Combs. Pat, welcome to The Chosen Journey. Yeah, Jonathan, Steve, uh, thank you, man, so much for having me. It's a pleasure and honor to be with you guys today. I look look forward to our discussion. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, this is called The Chosen Journey for a reason. And uh, off the air, we were discussing very quickly. And Pat, you have definitely lived your chosen life and your chosen journey. And we're going to be discussing that journey today. It's going to be about life, baseball, kids, and everything. Today, by the way, as well, is a happy birthday to Mr. Fred Clare, Mr. Fred, believe it or not, it doesn't look any different. It's his birthday today. He was on our show with us as a baseball author. So continuing our series of baseball authors, we're saying happy birthday to Fred Clare. And in between all everything you've done, Pat, and there's a lot to it, we got the book, More Than the Score. How Parents and Coaches Can Cultivate Virtue in Athletes. Couldn't put this thing down. We loved it. We're going to jump into it. And this is the book. Jump on Amazon, folks. Uh, whether you have a child in professional sports, you think you're going to get them into professional sports, life in general, how to find virtue and how to find a path in life. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, Jonathan. It's, uh, it really is more than about the, the score of the game. You know, and and uh, I'm going to enjoy getting into it with you guys. I know you have some specific questions about it, but yeah, it was a passion project for me. And uh, just talking about how my wife and I, Christina, raised our three sons through this crazy world of, of youth sports today. It's it's uh, it changed a lot since since we were kids. But uh, yeah, I wanted to give parents and coaches a navigation tool just for the things that we experienced. Well, in order to understand this book, I think we got to start from different points in life. So we're going to understand the gentleman, Pat Combs, who wrote this book and where he came from. And you have one of the great distinctions besides having played for the Philadelphia Phillies. You were also one of my first baseball cards. Little side note. So <laughs> we had Rob Ducey on the other day and Rob played in the first MLB game that I ever went to, Toronto versus the Mariners. And he Pinch ran for uh, Mr. George Bell, and you were one of my first baseball cards. I remember that 1990 Donruss uh, box opening it up with great excitement and all those great rookies and not knowing what the wax era meant and understanding that they printed off billions of those cards, but very, very cool. And we are going to get to the baseball cards as well. I got to say, as a 90s child, if you had told me back then I would be sitting here with Steve Carsey and Pat Combs and talking baseball in life, I would have said, yeah, you're crazy, but... Dreams do come true. So, gentlemen, first and foremost, uh, you have your alignment as both being first-round draft picks in Major League Baseball. Uh, have not come across past. It's funny because it is a very, very small community, and it's amazing how we can bump into each other one way or another. Steve always knows somebody there. I coached with them. I played with them. They were in some sort of system, but you guys never reached the path till today. Yeah, it's it. 
It is. It's an interesting game. I, I mean, I know Steve will tell stories like I will about just the fraternity of, of ball players. And even if we never played against each other across paths in that way, uh, as we were talking offline, you know, I, I knew Steve's name. And in fact, my last uh, spring training was with the Brewers. And uh, of course, uh, you know, Steve's name is synonymous with, with Milwaukee Brewers. And, but yeah, you, you, you know, you, if you're a fan of the game, like I was growing up, uh, I collected baseball cards as well, Jonathan. And, so, uh, you know, I still reflect back to the, the stars that I, I, you know, grew up uh, idolizing as well as the guys that, that came after me that I've enjoyed watching. And, uh, and then being involved with the game beyond uh, just as a player, you know, with my three sons, I coached each of them through our, their youth sports days. And uh, certainly that, that included uh, Little League baseball, some, some travel baseball. And then uh, seeing my youngest son, you know, get drafted and having his chance to play for for the Marlins. And, um, and then I've stayed involved. I've, I've been coaching even after my boys were done playing ball at, at, at the youth level, I stayed involved and still coach uh, tra travel summer ball. So uh, I love the game. I just have a passion for it and, and uh, have a passion for teaching and coaching. And so that's where I get a lot of fulfillment. Yeah. So, you know, Pat, uh, just hit on that. Cause I coach my son too. Uh, <laughs> after I stepped down uh, being the, bro the bullpen coach for the Brewers, it was, it was about that time, you know, he was turning 11. Uh, you know, he's, he's, had a crazy life, you know, he's missed dad. He's, I've been coaching and been gone and, you know, things kind of, you know, just transpired like that. And finally he had mentioned to me in the car ride to school one uh, off season about dad, you're leaving again, you know? Um, and that kind of, you know, put life into perspective a little bit for me with, with him and uh, you know, what I was missing and at the age that he was getting to. So ultimately made that decision to, to step down and start coaching him and teach him the fundamentals and, and the right way to play the game. But maybe you can go into a little bit uh, and, and enlighten me because I, this is like year two, two and a half of me coaching him. How difficult was it for you, uh, you know, to, to coach your sons? I mean, you know, there's, there's always that father-son dynamic uh, at home, right? As you close the doors behind you when you come in at home and then you know, you go to the baseball field and trying to teach them. Uh, so maybe if you could just, you know, touch on uh, a little bit of, of how you coached your sons, you know, were there any frictions, you know, button heads at times um, and, and give some maybe some clarity to, to some other dads who coach their sons and and how difficult that might be. Yeah, I think it's a great question, Steve, because, you know, we, we both know there's a lot of dads that, that enjoy coaching and coaching their own kids and and certainly there's a different dynamic there when you step onto the field as a coach, because, you know, that, that title dad never leaves, right. You're, you're always going to be a dad. Uh, but then when you step between those lines, you, you've got to become a coach, uh, not only to your own uh, kids who are playing, but also you, you know, you're coaching the entire team. And so, uh, you know, we just laid down some ground rules early on with our sons that said, you know, if I'm going to be involved on the field with you, you know, we've got to have that re respect. It's got to be mutual respect, me me to you as a player, but you as a player looking at me, not only as your dad, but as your coach, uh, because I want the rest of the team uh, to feel that that they have the, the same level playing field that you do, which means I'm not going to show you favoritism. You know, if you're stinking it up one day and I got to pull you out of the lineup, that's a, that's a decision a coach has to make. You know, it may not be the thing I want to do as a dad, but, uh, you know, I'm going to do the, what's in the best interest for the team. And so I think those discussions, Steve, early on, and I know you've had them with your son, but 
-hmm. those are the things we we've got to at least set some ground rules going into it uh and do our best to abide by it because i know in those emotional tense situations you know for us to try to keep those emotions in check especially when it involves our own kids um it, it's that's a challenge and um at the end of the day i think uh, what did it for me was just being steadfast in the responsibility that I had towards my sons to to love them uh, in the game and through the game, uh, meaning I was not ever going to take out my frustrations on them for their performance. Uh, you and I both know, you know, baseball is a it's, it's a game of adversity, overcoming adversity. And and so it's, it's so hard for us as parents to keep those expectations in check. But well, we've got to make a a mental contract with ourselves to say we're not going to step over that line and allow a game to dictate our emotions when it comes to our kids. You know, you, and, I, and I challenge parents all the time, even parents in the stands, you know, you want to run the greatest risk of losing your kid, uh, you know, mistreat him over a bad play he made or, or when she didn't score the, you know, when she, you thought she should have, um, you know, have those discussions, certainly have them as a, in a, in a coaching relationship, but man, don't ever take out your emotions on your kid when it comes to their performance. That's the quickest way to, to burn your kids out, to get them to hate you and, <laughs> and for them to leave the game. Now, ultimately, that's our goal, right? We want them to love the game and enjoy the game. So we've got to do everything we can as parents and coaches to respect that and, and to just love them through those situations. And now, and now you raise your children in Texas, I understand. And uh, so you were originally born in Rhode Island, Pat, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I was born in Rhode Island, uh, didn't spend a lot of time there in the Northeast. We got down to Texas uh, mm. when I was young. My, my grandfather actually moved the family down to open up a, a restaurant in the Houston area. And uh, so that's why I was raised in, just outside of Houston. Because I was trying to figure out the East Coast connection, uh, Steve, uh, growing up in the New York area, and then you guys getting drafted, Steve, respectively, in 1990, debuted with the A's in 93. Pat, you were in 88, 11th overall, and six foot three lefty in 89. Uh, the team must have been like this, ready to go, uh, because they needed Steve Carlton's replacement at that point, right? Steve was retiring, so they're saying, "Hey, we got our guy." Um, now, I, I, when I when I think of your name, I always think of that magical '88 Olympic team, that gold medal gold medal winning team in uh, in Seoul, Korea. And I went back and looked at the roster. I didn't realize a couple of names that were there, but Steve, talk about a starting five with Pat. You add on Andy Bennis, Ben McDonald. Jim Abbott, Charles Nagy. How is that for a starting five? That's pretty impressive for a starting five in, in a rotation. You know, obviously, uh, Ben was was at LSU at that particular time. Um, and that's where actually I was going to end up going to school prior to signing with the Blue Jays. So, you know, I got to meet Ben, you know, briefly while he was, you know, uh, around the LSU campus. But, uh, you know, it's an impressive five. Uh, you know, no wonder they won the gold medal there, right, uh, in, in Seoul. And we'll add on to it, uh, not too shabby in the field either, with Robin Ventura, Tom Goodwin, Brett Barbary, Tino Martinez, Mickey Morandini, and Ed Sprague, to name just a few. Pat, did you wake up every day with these guys and just, like, pinch yourself? <laughs> Man, you know, looking back, certainly you, you think about the careers that each of those uh, those men had, and, yeah, what an honor to be a part of that team. And, yeah, in the moment, you know, you're just thinking, hey, we're we're – just teammates. Uh, you know, we happen to be on a USA team and, uh, you know, obviously great talent, but what really made that team work was, uh, just the enjoyment we had being with each other. And I, I think it was, it, you know, those friendships that were bonded 
even on the 87 uh, Pan Am team, when we, when we gathered together for the first time we were together, uh, you know, the coaching staff at that time, you know, we had Skip Burtman and Ron Polk and, and Mark Marquis and Ron Frazier. So there's just a hall of fame of college coaches uh, in that era. And, you know, their goal was to keep kind of that core group of players together from 87 and then go on to 88, obviously to play in the Olympic year. But um, yeah, it was, the, you know, friendships, relationships, man, we had great respect for each other, but man, you talk about a team of bulldogs, just guys that wanted to get after it every day and just had an intense passion to play. But um, I remember asking years later, I asked coach Polk, what was the difference between the 88 and the 84 team? Cause the 84 team that, that played in Los Angeles won the silver. Of course we won the gold. Uh, when you compared that team on paper, a lot of coaches would say that the 84 team was more talented. And, uh, and so I asked coach Polk, I said, what was your impression about that? He said, yeah, he goes, I, I could agree in some respects that team in 84 was probably a little bit more talented on paper. He goes, but you guys came together and formed a, a really close knit early on. We could see that in 87. That's why we kept most of you guys together and carried it over to that next summer because we just felt like we had a great core group of guys, great leadership. Um, you know, you guys kind of put your selfish interests aside to, to, you know, do what was better for the team. And uh, I think that that probably was the thing that Ron reflected back on that was the difference in those two teams. Got to ask you because uh, I was thinking about that 84 team earlier today and, you know, with Mark McGuire, Will Clark, to name a few. I mean, it was a, it was it's it was a pretty big deal at the time. And as far as the names were on there, and did you feel any kind of shadow? Did that team, your eighty eight team, feel at all, or did they block that aside and just go have fun? What, how, what is like, what is the mentality of going to play internationally versus playing in the major leagues? Yeah, you know, I, it's a great question because I think it gets back to, um, you know, the, the the roles, the responsibilities that we had. You know, you you put USA on your chest and, you know, there's an expectation to win, first of all. And then the expectation that, you know, this is our game, right? We're, we're, we're going to go out. <laughs> our job is to go out in the field and, and win every game we play. That's, that's what we do as Americans. And uh, so the 87 team, we went to the world championships in, uh, in Italy and we ended up losing to the Cubans in extra innings. And I'll never forget that game. It's just one of those games that, that it gets emblazoned in your in your head. And I'm sure Steve can can tell you about, you know, some of those games that you, you'll never forget, you know, as long as you live. Mm -hmm. But it was a, a game that was so intense. I mean, the, the Italian crowd at the beginning of the game was actually rooting for the Cubans. And by the end of the game, they had flipped and were rooting for us. And there were a couple of key plays that went against us, a couple of key calls that went against us. And uh, it was crazy. It was the first time, Steve, I'd ever seen an umpire get pelted with fruit uh, wow. and, and vegetables on the field. Yeah, and I don't know if Italians <laughs> come armed with that stuff to throw at umpires, but by the end of the game, they were throwing stuff at the umpire. Sounds like a soccer uh, thing to me. It must be, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, definitely a European thing, but uh, it was crazy. But we ended up losing that game. And I'll never forget the Cubans uh, came over to our dugout. I mean, we were pretty distraught. You know, it was a, it was a hard-fought game and it was for the gold medal for the world games and uh they were waving their cuban flag right in front of our dugout and uh billy massey it was all we could do to hold him down from from attacking one of the players <laughs> I, i'm sure it would have caused an international scene <laughs> but uh but that that memory of losing that game uh it carried us into that next summer and man we just kind of got you know steel-minded about man this is not going to happen again mm -hmm. right we're gonna we're gonna walk away with the gold medal Unfortunately, Cubans boycotted the Olympic Games that year, so we didn't get to face off with them. But 
Um, but that kind of set the tone for us as a team and what kind of team we were going to be. And it was a, you know, that, that moment kind of created that, that gritty, um, you know, just not going to lose mentality. And it, it carried over into the next summer. When, and the, last, the second question I had for you when it comes to the Olympics, and it's a very, I think, contentious issue, but one that always burns inside of me because I'm such a passionate uh, baseball fan and for the love of the game, is how do you even consider baseball not being part of the Olympics? And I know the political side of why they bring teams and not, but having that 84 team, that 88 team, to me, that's, it's a given baseball is in the Olympics. Like the World Baseball Classic this year uh, exploded. Uh, was one of the best series, if not the best World Baseball Classic we ever had. Uh, it was an opening round uh, party was in Arizona. I was there. Uh, Steve and I were hanging out and Kareem Garcia came by and he was on our show. And you just feel that flavor and the love internationally. And But still, to me, you know, if they're going to have the true Olympics and you're going to put the proper sports in there, baseball has to be an Olympic sport, period. Yeah, I totally agree, uh, Jonathan. I don't think you find anybody in this call is going to disagree with that. I mean, it's it truly is no an international sport. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's shocking that it would it would be not considered an Olympic sport. I mean, you think about all the countries that are engaged in it. You know, Asian countries, South American countries. You know, your European countries. I mean, it's it is a global sport, and and it's growing. And uh, you know, I, I think the only thing I could put my finger on was when you've got a team of let's let's call it twenty five players, and you've got a you know, six to eight coaches per team, you know, the cost to get those teams together and, and to bring them to the Olympics is, is, it's gotta be pretty costly, but, but man, I mean, the, the ratings, I don't know if it just goes back to TV ratings or, or what they're looking at, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And so I, I do hope it, it comes back and others, there's been a lot of talk about that. So hopefully we'll see that, you know, come through. And I don't think we need to see MLB players there, to be frank. I'm happy with collegiate players playing there. I like the amateurs there and the ones that are getting drafted and the, the future stars of the game. Uh, it's almost like a futures game, so to speak. But 84 and 88 teams showed collegial players are, are fun to watch. And uh, I know it's about money and everything else. And yes, if you bring you know the top stars out there today and you see the guys in the World Series and now they're playing in the Olympics. But to me, the Olympics are always about those younger players and the up-and-comers. And I, and I hope that they go back to that. I guess that's my statement on yeah. it. Yeah, totally agree. Yep.